Alrighty, we're back. Welcome to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. I'm Rick Moore, along with Josh, our producer and engineer, Bill Proposky. This is MSONewsports.com. And this week we have been featuring candidates from all over the North Shore with respect to city council races and school committee races, as the election is just a couple of weeks away. And this is the last of our daily broadcast here. And if you're interested in uh, getting a hold of us or mentioning something to Josh or me at MSO, you can email us at msonewsports at gmail.com and give us your thoughts, um, you know, complaints, whatever it is, uh, ideas, suggestions, let me know. That's msonewsportsmail.com. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, how would people get a hold of you by email? Uh, Josh Arnold at uh, verizon.net or josha874 at gmail.com. Alrighty. It's been a very busy week. You've had a lot of guests on and you've talked uh, a lot of different things to uh, in many different communities about uh, again city council and uh, at large races ward races and school committee uh, races as well and what do you have lined up for this morning today we start out in Beverly with the city council president Paul Guansi uh, then we go to uh, Lynn for Lennon Pina who's a candidate for uh, uh, city councilor at large, and then back to Gloucester, where Kathy Clancy, the vice president, uh, vice chair of the Gloucester School Committee, will talk to us, and then uh, over back to Beverly, where Tim Flaherty, uh, will uh, uh, city councilor at large, will be talking to us uh, too. Alrighty, so we've got all that coming up and more here on MSO News Sports Trending now with Josh Arnold. with friends, meet for lunch, cocktails after work, or a romantic dinner for two. Whatever your plan, plan to do it at Sylvan Street Grill in Peabody and Salisbury. See you at Sylvan Street. Eat, drink, and chill at the Sylvan Street Grill. Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers. A friendly, challenging environment. Everybody comes in here uh, thinking that it's like a regular boxing club where you're going to have to get in the ring and fight, and it's actually not. It's a, a classroom type of cardio exercise boxing class. We have uh, 60 bags. The classes range anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, from 8 rounds to 12 rounds. Uh, there's music playing. The instructor teaches the class, and you have a good time. You learn how to box and have fun and exercise during the class. Title Boxing, Danvers. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. And if you're planning to replace the windows in your home, I have just two words for you. Anderson Windows. Anderson is the most trusted name in windows throughout the United States. See the complete line of Anderson Windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastown, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Moynihan Lumber. Cherry Farm Creamery wishes all the teams and players the best of luck this fall. Check out the fall ice cream flavors now available. Pumpkin, caramel, apple. Cherry Farm offers 20% off to kids in uniforms. Enjoy the taste of summer all year round at Cherry Farm Creamery, Conant Street, Danvers.
Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our first guest is the City Council President in Beverly, Mass., Paul Gowansi. Paul, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on to talk to you about what's going on in Beverly. Well, Paul, we I know we've had you on a few times in the past, but uh, just for our listening audience, can you give us a three- or four-minute bio, and then we'll, let's get into some questions about what's happening in Beverly. Yeah, well, you know what? I've had I've been running a family business here in Beverly since uh, 1986. Our business is Super Sub Shop right on Cabot Street in downtown Beverly. It was founded in 1970 by my father. Uh, and me being the oldest son in an Italian family, somehow I ended up graduating college on a Saturday. My mother had a party for me on Sunday and said, don't go work for your father. Monday he asked me to work, and lo and behold, 33 and a half years later, we're still here, thank God. Um, and back in the late 90s, I was uh, interested in doing a little more here in the city of Beverly, and there was an open seat on the city council, and it was an at-large seat, fortunate to run and be elected for the first time. Uh, in Beverly, people can pick three at-large candidates, and I happened to finish third, so that was my first term on the council. And then I served as top vote-getter the next three elections. I served as council president. Uh, in 2008, I took a little bit of a break because my family was young, and I wasn't on the council in 2008 and 2009. And then uh, my wife saw that I really had a desire to go back because I missed it. And I was uh, fortunate to be reelected, and I've been serving uh, mostly as president ever since. That's great. So, looking at uh, Beverly in, uh, in the context of uh, the issues uh, that uh, people are talking about, uh, I know that there's uh, a move front to secure a new public safety or police station. Where is that now, and, and uh, what does that have to get? Uh, what, where is that in the process? Yeah, we're actually ready to go. Uh, back in the, the mid-90s, uh, right before I got on the council, a decision was made to take care of all our uh, school facilities first. And we built uh, six elementary schools, a middle school, and um, in a high school, and then finally a middle school, which opened in 2017, um, all within the tax levy. Uh, which was a remarkable uh, accomplishment, and it was really due to the uh, cooperation between the mayor's office and the city council and the intelligence of our finance directors. Um, so the police station is our last major capital project that we're going to undertake for a little while until we retire some more debt. Uh, on Monday night, the city council approved the mayor, uh, authorized the mayor to borrow $27 million for the building. Um, design has already been done. We appropriated money last year for the design work, and they'll probably put a shovel in the ground uh, before the end of the year. Wow, that's great. That's great. So we're trying to open it. Uh, tentative date is spring of 2021. Great. Now, uh, this, uh, I know you mentioned that uh, a lot of new school buildings uh, have gone up over the past years, and then, of course, you have the retired school facilities. What's happening with those? I saw recently the uh, where the Briscoe School was being used as a film site to uh, for a movie about Gloucester High School, which I found interesting. But uh, what what is uh, the short or long term plan for how the city of Beverly would deploy uh, uh, retired school uh, buildings? Yeah, in the past it seems like we've always turned them into some type of residential units, either apartments or condominiums. We had the Brown School in North Beverly as condos, high-end. Well, not middle-of-the-road. Um, 
I know we had the Washington Beetle School uh, right on Rantoul Street that we ended up uh, selling, and that's where the Walgreens is right now. Another school, the Hardy School, is part of Montserrat College of Art. So they are been utilized. We haven't retained ownership of them, and there's no plan to retain ownership of Briscoe either. We went through an 18-month study. 18-month study. Uh, a number of city officials and residents uh, met about what would be the best use of the Briscoe Middle School. And when all was said and done, I mean, we talked about moving City Hall there, the police station there, some public works offices there. But the building would have been too much to rehab. Uh, no handicap accessibility, probably some asbestos issues because it's such an old building. So at the end of that uh, process, the committee uh, voted, recommended that uh, the city would sell the building, put it out on RFP, and uh, see what we got back. We had four people fill out the RFP, and it's down to two people. One is Harbor Light Community Partners, who do a lot of affordability, uh, affordable housing projects on the North Shore. And then we have somebody new to Beverly, the Wind Corporation, Wind Company. And they do affordable housing. They do mixed-use projects. They're doing something in Peabody now with one of the old tannery buildings. But um, both of those projects focus on affordable senior housing, which is something that we definitely need here in Beverly because when people sell their homes, uh, they want to stay in Beverly, and the affordable senior housing stock is low right now. Okay. All right, that makes sense. And, and it dovetails a little bit into uh, a question, one of my next questions, and that was uh, the the housing crisis, affordable housing crisis, and, and distinguishing between uh, subsidized housing and affordable housing. Um, I'm sure it's a problem in Beverly. Just about everybody that's running for office has talked about it being a problem in their communities up and down the North Shore and across the state. Uh, tell me about uh, affordable housing in Beverly and, and your stock there and, and what you're doing about it. Well, you know, we do have the Beverly Housing <coughs> Authority. They may, I think that they might manage, you know, between 15 and 1,800 affordable uh, housing units around the city, uh, but there's a waiting list for those. Uh, the city of Beverly, the city council two years ago approved a project. I think it's a, um, it's a state program where you would build uh, housing for people that earn less than 40% of the area uh, median income. So we approved the zoning, uh, and there's 75 units of very affordable and homeless housing to be built at the ex um, the intersection of Sawyer Road and Coast Street. Okay. And the key about this is it's family housing. It's not individual housing. And the state has pledged to give the city money uh, to help educate the students that live there. So we would get a percentage of the cost to educate those students from the state. Wow. Because we stepped up and we decided to uh, uh, put one of these developments here in the city of Beverly. Great. Now, uh, where is where is Beverly in, in the context of uh, its master plan? I I, had, uh, I think one of the folks we had on or was talking about uh, that the, the, maybe the city is in the process of updating it. Or can you give me a, an update on that? Yeah, we we are in the process of updating it. The last time it was done was twenty and three. Uh, goes to show you how long I've been around. Yeah, and. Uh, the mayor and his planning department, Aaron Clausen, who's the planning director, very, very smart uh, 
gentleman who's helped us out a lot here in Beverly. They're organizing community meetings. Uh, they're meeting with uh, all stakeholders here in Beverly. And then now they're in the middle of hosting events in each ward to hear about what's important to people in their neighborhoods or their wards where they live in. And then they'll come up with the uh, with some type of a plan in the fall of 2020. Okay, great. And and that and that's sort of going to be the roadmap for where Beverly goes in the next what five, ten, fifteen years. Yeah, you know you want it, you want it to last if ten years, if not twenty years. Yeah. And the big thing that people that I hear from people is really be careful about development and growth because we're concerned about our schools, our police, our fire. How much bigger do we want Beverly to be? In 1970, the population in Beverly was about 40,000 people. In 2010, it was around the same number. Now we're up to about 42 or almost 43,000 people. How much bigger do we want to get, and how much can we how much can we handle? Yeah, there are a number of projects that aren't on the drawing board yet that would definitely uh, put a strain on our infrastructure. Yeah, and, and uh, one of the things that we've talked about here uh, with a couple of folks is uh, the, the idea of an impact fee, uh, that you have a, a fee that uh, when, a develop, when a developer is putting in a, a development of uh, you know, multiple unit development, that you assess uh, as part of the, that charge a, an impact fee to bridge the cost of adding additional educational support or public safety support or uh, utility drawer or safe public safety uh, for the first few years so that uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't it's not a shock to the system uh, is yeah, that I, mean, anything... I don't think that that's a, I don't think that that's a bad idea to discuss obviously developers aren't going to be happy about that uh, we already require them to uh, provide affordable housing when they uh, do a development here in Beverly, which costs them money. Yeah, uh, they don't have to put the housing in their uh, in their in the building that they're building. They can do it off-site somewhere. Uh, I know we have a big uh, project going on, Depot Square Phase Two, which a number of residents are upset about. That uh, they're looking for 115 units, but they're developing 12 uh, affordable units off-site. And if they can't do, and they also have the option to pay into uh, Beverly's Affordable Housing Trust, yeah. as opposed to providing those units. So at least uh, the city of Beverly might have 500000 in it right now. Yeah. People that are looking to build affordable housing, like Harbor Light Community Partners, could yeah. access that funds to ease the cost burden on them. Okay. What about... Um... Another, another cost that we're passing on to developers. Yeah. What about... Um... The uh, traffic at uh, on the roadway by Victoria Rocky Post uh, is that uh, how is that settled in? Are people used to that now, or is it still confusing to people who see it for the first time? Or how how does that work out? Uh, the roundabouts have worked uh, tremendous. Okay, um, it's definitely more safe. I mean, there were so many people that took illegal rights and illegal lefts when yeah, yeah. there was no light there. Yeah, and you know, and I'll be guilty too. I mean, I used to when it used to queue up to go left. I, uh, you know, I have to admit that I would go right and then spin around through the Rocky uh, Post parking lot yeah. to get up into North Beverly. Uh, the traffic is definitely moving smoother. 
there's been a couple of in- incidents there. Thank God that nobody's been seriously injured. But now the test will be now we just had that Whole Foods open up here in Beverly, um, and it, which will create more traffic. So we'll see how those hold up now with the more uh, more cars in the area. How much? Uh, how- put in it. They've, it. It's worked fairly well. What's going on with Rantoul Street? I know there's a lot of been a lot of uh, development down there and reconstruction. Uh, it, how much is that uh, is is continues to be uh, developed or redeveloped, and is is that uh, continuing to be a traffic issue for Beverly? Yeah, I mean, it's all. Anytime you add more people and more cars to a small area, it's it, it's going to be an issue. I think that what we need to do is once this depot. Two project it's decided whether it's going to be six stories or five stories. Uh, I think that we really need to step back and take a look at um, the impact of all the development here in the city. I know that Councilor Don Martin, who represents Ward 5 here in the city, and I have spoken about maybe we put a moratorium on building uh, until we can until the master plan is done to see yeah. what we can handle. Because there are people that are pretty upset of the direction on Rantoul Street. Okay. Um, just looking at the time, we're uh, we're we're coming up on uh, the, the end here. So, uh, want to wish you uh, the very best uh, in your upcoming campaign. Want to thank you for being a guest again on uh, Trending Now with Josh Arnold, and uh, we'll hopefully have you back uh, maybe uh, uh, end of the year or first of next year to tell us, um, uh, give us a, a progress report on what's happened in Beverly. Thank you so much, Josh, and I hope everything's going well in Gloucester. Great. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm Bob Gillis, president of KPN Savings Bank, serving the KPN community with stability and commitment for over 170 years. Since 1846, our customers have relied on our local bank service and big bank benefits. Stop by our offices or call to talk about your banking needs at 978-283-0246. Built on community. KPNSavings.bank. Member FDIC. Member DIF. Equal housing lender. Gloucester's Walter Wilkins Insurance Agency is teaming up with Columbia Insurance to deliver a full line of products, personal home and auto policies, as well as a full line of commercial coverage for business owners, including commercial property and commercial vehicle coverage. Wilkins partners with respected companies such as Plymouth Rock, Quincy Mutual, Commerce, and Safeco. For City of Gloucester employees, there are discounts on auto and home policy. Wilkins Insurance is located at 186 Main Street, Gloucester, serving the North Shore. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Lennon Peener, uh, who is a candidate for city council in Lynn. Lennon, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Well, we usually start out and ask uh, folks to give us a three or four minute bio, and then we could talk about uh, some of the issues in Lynn. So why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for allowing me to be on the air. Uh, uh, Gordon, hey, Arnold, Josh Arnold, right? Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm bad reception, but okay. Uh, my name is uh, Lennon Pena. I'm 48 years old. Lived in Lynn most of my life. 
I reside in Lynn. I work, I'm an employee of the Lynn Water Sewer Commission. I'm out there every day, and I hear a lot of different people's concerns. And I'm, I'm running because I like to see some changes happen in our city, you know? Okay. I'm running because all our children deserve a better version of what Lynn could be. And there's a lot of concerns with us, our citizens. Okay, great. So uh, looking at uh, the issues in Lynn, um, uh, I know that they've had a, a fiscal crisis there in the past, and they've uh, finally been able yes. to sort of right the ship, if you will, uh, in terms of adding some additional revenue and some state money and so forth. Uh, what's uh, what do you see as uh, are the issues to keep uh, to keep Lynn uh, in a in a more fiscally strong position? Well, first, I think I believe the city should. Uh Try to advocate to, you know, seek additional resources of income. Like, we need to get investors who want to bring commercial revenue to our city, like hotels, big restaurant changes, chains, and, uh, we, we, we should advocate for, uh, more federal help. You know, we, we should also, we have a big census coming up, the 2020 census, and it's very important that we get federal funding and try to get all our, our citizens, you know, to cooperate. With, with our with our funding, you know, uh, <clears throat> it's vital for us. Okay. You know, and, and and you know we need we definitely need some you know funding. And I think that you know escalating property taxes that's going on. Uh, you know we have this trash fee, and we got to find a way to lessen the burden on the homeowners. Okay. Um, public safety has been an issue. Uh, some folks have complained about violence uh, and shootings in, in Lynn. Uh, how much of that is an issue, and, and what are your thoughts on the subject? Yes, that's a very, very high concern on a lot of people's minds right now. Safety, the lack of safety. You know, we need more police officers. But not only do we need more police officers, we need police officers to reflect the community. Lynn is a very, very big, um, diverse city. I believe it's two-thirds minority, and we need police officers to reflect the community. How better can you get, you know, the, the community get involved when you have police that look like them, you know, more their peers? And that's one thing that, I, that I'm very big on. Let's, let's bring some more diversity in our local government, our police, our fire department, and it's, 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 it's very key to get people to cooperate because... You know, we we got to think about resolution to conflict. You know, there's a lot of issues that goes on. You know, social, social economics, and, and, and we have a big opioid crisis, and we got to think about you know resolution to working with people. You know, and and it's tough when you know when you have a big police police force that's not diverse, and, and we still we we need more police officers. And you know, I, I was just talking to a resident in uh in Ward One. And they, they, you know, they called 911 and they waited 20 minutes for a police officer to come. You know, that, that's sad. You know, you know, such a big city, we, we need to, to enforce, you know, we need to find ways to, to get more funding for police officers. You know, we had a murder in the daytime on Union Street not too long ago. There was a shooting during a stop the violence basketball game for, for kids. So there was a, over 100 youths there and, and there was a, a shooting in the middle of the basketball court. That is insane. That is unheard of, you know, and, and that's a big, big concern, and we need to do something immediately. We, we need to make some changes now okay. on that. And, 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 you're, and you're saying that the <clears throat> hiring practices for Lynn have historically oh. been lopsided or skewed and, 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 and need to become more oh. diversified. 
Hello? Hello? Do we lose you? Well, we, uh... Hello? Hi, yeah, we're t we're, we still have you. Are you here? Lennon. We, we, Lennon, we're, we're still on the air. Well, we, uh, we're trying to talk to Lennon Pina, who's a candidate for city councilor. Hello. Hi, Lennon. Well, you might have hit mute or something on your phone because you're, we're hearing you, but you're, you're not talking. Hello. There's a disconnect here. He doesn't, uh, I don't know if he hit the wrong button on his phone or what, but he's, uh, we're not getting him. Well, we'll try it again. Uh, Le uh, Lennon, are you there? We've been talking to Lennon Peener, the candidate for city council at large in Lynn, uh, and we started talking about the opioid crisis, and he had some issues about law enforcement. Uh, he had some concerns about the uh, uh, a need for greater diversity among hiring practices uh, across the city, uh, and. Uh, we hope to get him back. So uh, we're going to uh, disconnect here and call him back and see if uh, we can reconnect. Fact is, including the commute, people spend 10 hours a day at work. No wonder they're forced to buy car insurance in 15 minutes. They just don't have time to go meet with someone. Well, Columbia Insurance has an alternative. The insurance professionals at Columbia Insurance Agency will meet with you at your workplace. Even better, we'll go to the registry and bring your plates back to you at work, free of charge. At Columbia Insurance Agency, we come to you, and we really do. Visit ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net and set up an appointment today. That's ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net. I'm Bob Gillis, president of KPN Savings Bank, serving the KPN community with stability and commitment for over 170 years. Since 1846, our customers have relied on our local bank service and big bank benefits. Stop by our offices or call to talk about your banking needs at 978-283-06. Built on community, kpnsavings.bank. Member FDIC. Gloucester's Walter Wilkins Insurance Agency is teaming up with Columbia Insurance to deliver a full line of products, personal home and auto policies, as well as a full line of commercial coverage for business owners, including commercial property and commercial vehicle coverage. Wilkins partners with respected companies such as Plymouth Rock, Quincy Mutual, Commerce, and Safeco. For City of Gloucester employees, there are discounts on auto and home policies. Wilkins Insurance is located at 186 Main Street, Gloucester, now partnering with Columbia Insurance. Serving the North Shore. Start the fall season with a winning mortgage rate from your hometown team. Whether you are thinking about buying a new home or condo or refinancing your existing one, our loan rates are among the lowest anywhere. Check out our full menu of rates and terms and apply online 24-7 at institutionforsavingsloans.com. Institutionforsavings.com, member FDIC, DIF, equal housing lender. Come in, take a seat, you're really in for a treat at Sylvan Street. A great place to eat and drink and meet with family and friends at Sylvan Street. We'll treat you right, day or night, satisfy your appetite. Eat, drink, and chill at the Sylvan.
Bourbon Street Grill. Catch a game with friends, meet for lunch, cocktails after work, or a romantic dinner for two. Whatever your plan, plan to do it at Sylvan Street Grill in Peabody and Salisbury. See you at Sylvie. Eat, drink, and chill at Sylvan Street Grill. Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers. Everybody comes in here uh, thinking that it's like a regular boxing club, where and it's actually not. It's a, a classroom type of cardio exercise boxing class. We have uh, 60 bags. The classes range anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, from 8 rounds to 12 rounds. Uh, there's music playing. The instructor teaches the class, and you have a good time. You learn how to box and have fun and exercise during the class. Title Boxing, Danvers. Harrington Trophy has been rewarding the North Shore for over 30 years with quality custom awards, screen printing, embroidery, and more. We pride our family-owned business on our exceptional customer service and quality products for the right price. Custom t-shirts, sweatshirts, warm-up suits, hats, along with the area's top trophies, plaques, glass awards, we are the one-stop shop for end-of-the-year banquets or advertising your small business through apparel. Come see us at Harrington Trophy, Chestnut Street, Lynn, or HarringtonTrophy.com. The North Shore is listening to MSONewsports.com and our great selection of podcasts. Hey, this is Matt Williams from the Salem News. Make sure that you listen to our weekly high school sports podcast where you can get all the news and happenings in the North Shore high school sports and beyond with myself, Phil Stacy, Bill Newell, and Nick Giannino. MSO News Sports, connecting you to the North Shore. Okay, that's rolling. So we're going to try to make connections again. What do you want to do? You want to go back to your previous guest, or you want to go on to the next one? We'll go on to the next one, and we'll try to catch him if we have uh, time on the end. Okay, that was that wasn't our fault. The internet completely dropped from us, and we lost everything. But we are back now, so we'll take a very quick break, and then uh, Josh, who's up next? Kathy Clancy from Gloucester. Okay, so um, we'll be right back. Let's go with that. Back to trending now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is the vice uh, chairwoman of the Gloucester School Committee, Kathy Clancy. Kathy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Josh. Well, you've been on the city uh, school committee for a while now. You serve as the its vice uh, chairwoman. Um, uh, but for those people who uh, uh, might be listening for the first or second time, can you give us uh, the listening audience a little three or four minute bio, and then we can talk about some of the issues in Gloucester. Uh, sure. Um, I've been on the school committee for five terms, so I'm finishing my tenth year. I am running for re-election for my sixth term. Um, I have a son who has gone through Gloucester Public Schools. He's now a sophomore at Gloucester High School. Um, my background is in finance, over 20 years in financial and operational management. Um, I spend a lot of my uh, personal time volunteering and and being part of the Gloucester Education Foundation and believe that education is extremely important for, you know, for our community. And, um, and it's great that 
you know, we all value education, so I'm glad to be running for a sixth term. Great. Now, uh, this past spring, uh, with uh, Val Gilman uh, pushing uh, the, the, all the right buttons, uh, uh, the city uh, in schools uh, had Student Government Day again. Uh, it was very popular when I was in school back uh, in the 70s, uh, some traction somewhere. Tell us how it went and, and what your thoughts were. Oh, it, um, I think like we had many students from the Gloucester High School paid and, you know, came out with different electricity employees to see, you know, kind of a, a, a glimpse of some of the work that we do. The students that came with it was important for him to understand where we were in terms of our facilities of the East Gloucester Elementary School project. Yep. Um, he had gone, gone through one of our elementary schools, and it might have even been East Gloucester. So he was familiar with... Um, you know, what our elementary schools are like. Yeah. And then I took him to the New West Parish School to show him... Um, Tale of you know, two cities, huh? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. definitely. So, um, you know, he kind of explained the process that we go through with the Mass School Building Authority um, and how they help partner in that whole um, endeavor to help the community update their facilities. We've had candidates uh, on uh, from uh, other communities, Lynn in particular, where they've uh, talked about. Uh, uh, I think in Lynn they have 85 languages that are spoken in the, in the high school, um, and a, a broadening base of, of economic di- of uh, cultural diversity. How much of that? I mean, we're not at that level in Gloucester, but uh, uh, I, I am told that there are more and more uh, students uh, in some of the schools that are uh, where English is a second language. What, what are we? Where are we with that? And are, are we finding a need to? Are our communication tools uh, where they need to be? Whether it's the website or the. Uh, uh, telephone system, whatever, do we offer things in multiple languages or are we moving toward that? Or What do you think? Uh, well, first I want to address your first um, comment that Lynn has seen, you know, as kind of an evolving demographic and Gloucester has too. We have, um, we have students with probably 20 different languages. We have many students that have arrived in the past two to three years with no English whatsoever and the family doesn't speak English. So we have put resources to having people um, tutor as well as, you know, making sure all of our teachers are um, up to date on English language learner certification. Um, We have a English language coordinator at the high school to help those students who are further along in their education. But because English is a barrier, they need that extra support and the families need to be assimilated as quickly as possible for the kids to succeed. Um, we do send out all of our communication to uh, families in different languages, so we, um, we employ a translation service. So everything that we do have, we can provide in almost any language that our families may need. That's great. That's great. Now, you've been in, intricately involved in the uh, uh, school building project uh, uh, for uh, East Gloucester. Uh, it's, uh, and can, well, let's talk about that for a few minutes and uh, uh, give us some, some, some thoughts. I know that they've uh, come up with a new uh, – you were on the, both the building committee and the school committee, yes? Yes, correct. And uh, so that process went along, and, and you, you looked at a lot of different uh, – uh, ideas about where you could put the school, and I know it's hampered uh, because 
the rules change, uh, if you will. I mean, when, uh, back when they built Gloucester High School, uh, originally in 1939, uh, the if you had to egress from a classroom uh, in two directions, that meant that you came out of the classroom, you could go to the right or left to exit the building. Uh, you know, when they built West uh, Beeman and uh, when they built East Gloucester and uh, uh, West Parish originally, 48 and 49, you had to go out, you know, two different layers, one into the hall, one into the, the courtyard or whatever. Um, but as, as time progresses, the st if, if the state gives you money, they're going to they want to insist that you have um, certain amount of square feet footage for a kindergarten, an art room, maybe a certain amount of geography for the playground, and that causes tension uh, in communities that don't have that much space. So to walk us through what that's been like uh, in this in this instance. So um, I, I guess I want to say that the Mass School Building Authority, um, their goal is to improve the educational program within the community that they're helping fund the school. So if um, if a school is, you know, if a site is in a really tight space, I'm sure they work with that particular community on things like square footage required for this or that. Um, it doesn't mean the answer is no. It just means they need to understand how your proposal and your design solution still meets ideally the best needs educationally for kids. Yep. Um, so uh, so their, their, their requirements slash are really guidelines as to what is educationally sound and beneficial given the state of education. So a kindergarten room, for instance, is 1,100 square feet where regular um, first grade through fifth grade is 900 square feet. And the reason is that kindergartners need bathrooms. And yep. so that accommodates bathrooms for kindergartners who clearly have a need that's a little bit different than first through fifth grade. Um, so their guidelines are actually that, you know, what we would consider a best practice advice to us to design, um, to use their, their particular guidelines in the design to make sure we're maximizing what we're offering to our kids. And I think anybody building a new school would argue that if you built a new school without an art room, it's a game. Because you really want to make sure that whole educational experience and the arts are certainly extremely vital to, to that experience for a child. Yeah. So uh, you've chosen uh, a location which is uh in veterans, uh, uh, in the veterans school area, it's going to be where the Matos Field is, uh, as I understand it. And uh, um, what, you, what, what led you to that spot? What, what tell us? I know what the answer is, but tell tell the listening audience what uh, what some of the restrictions were that you faced trying to find where to put the school. Right. So we looked at city-owned property that is within the catchment area um, of, the, of the schools. Our goal was to combine East Gloucester and veterans so that we could get as many kids in a new learning environment and a safe learning environment as, as soon as we possibly could. Um, so, and also, you know, it costs significantly less to build one building versus two buildings. So yep. we're trying to be very mindful of taxpayers. And so we looked at um, property that the city owned within um, pretty much Ward 2 and Ward 1. And many of the, a few of the sites we looked at had different issues such as wetlands and access to utilities, 
proximity to students. Um, we narrowed it down to two sites. You know, unfortunately, East Gloucester school site is extremely tight, and there's restrictions on the playground. So no building can happen there because of deed restrictions. That playground will always be a playground. Um, so we narrowed it down to. I mean, you can't break that. Is that? I mean, you have to go to the, sp the legislature to 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 do that, and that didn't seem like an easy path. But is what I hear. Well, correct, and you know the access to East Gloucester School with a bigger school would be really challenging on that neighborhood. There'd be parking that would have to happen within the neighborhood, not on the school site. Um, drop off and pick up is very chaotic, and so to and the land development it, even to go to, to to the left of the school if you're facing it, going toward the uh, toward uh, East Main slopes off five or six feet from where the school is to uh, to, to the rest of the area. That's correct. Right. That's correct, and that's all ledge. And so, even though if we if we would have had even down to East Main Street, it would have helped with parking and circulation, yeah. but it wouldn't have helped necessarily with fitting a building there. Um, so, at the end of the day, the overarching sentiment of the, the building committee, which voted unanimously, was that Veterans was most centrally located to the students that would attend. It's much more walkable. Um, it's already an existing so the neighborhood, you know, enjoys having school, and so it didn't, um, you know, it didn't change the use of that particular site, um, and we just felt, personally felt, the more kids that can walk to school, the better for everybody, for our health, for the families, it's accessible, um, and the school will have drop-off and pick-up circulating on the school site, not on the street like it is now. And so all those factors, I think, um, swayed people, even though educationally the Green Street site and Veteran site were equal because the building design would be the same. Um, so what you're gonna actually going to do is you're going to have the, if I understand it, is, is where Mato's Field is going to be more where the building is and where the uh, the school is now that would be what leveled and that would become the the playground area or a ball field uh, or that, that that would be the parking actually that, that would, would what? be the parking parking okay playgrounds right. the playgrounds <clears throat> would be closer to the school towards the back of that and that would that building would come down at that point yes okay all right okay well that's great I, and, and because you were restricted in East Gloucester uh, because of the deed for it being for playground purposes, does that limit in some way what you can do with that facility when it's not at school? Uh, well, that the way the school is itself is not a particular part of the property. So this is where the school is. Right. Uh, you just so when they built it back in '48 or '49, they t they had to get a special act of the legislature to put the gymnasium down, and I think they, the rationale was, well, because it was a gym slash cafeteria, they could get it through because the kids would be playing in it, but uh, uh, everything to the left of it, the rest of the school, um, but does, it, it creates some marketability uh, issues, I, I would think. Yeah, I don't know that answer. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. What... Um, Let's see where we got probably two minutes left. What uh, what are some of the other issues that you're hearing about or talking with folks uh, as far as uh, the schools are uh, concerned in this election? Uh, well, I think what we're hearing is that um, you know the perceptions of our schools are still behind where we are at. Our 
um, you know, three of our elementary schools score in the, you know, in the 70, almost 80 percentile in, in the state, which is fabulous. Our elementary schools have made tremendous progress. Um, the offerings at our middle and high school in terms of STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and math are head and shoulders above what many communities provide as we benchmark other schools. Um, so, you know, we, we just have tremendous offerings for our students. You do. When when our daughter was in high school and she's through college now and, and, and working, but when we were parents' night and I and they listed all the opportunities open for kids uh, students, I was like, wow, this was head and shoulders above <coughs> what was available when we were in school and we were both active in school and and it just so it, it's uh, it, so is part of the perception issue that we just need to do a better public relations campaign or, to, or, or toot our horn or, or something? What do you think? Most definitely. We, you know, most definitely. We need just the more you repeat something, eventually people will start hearing a consistent message and, and something will click to them and change what they're thinking. And, you know, like any communication strategy, you just sometimes the bad is easily believed and the good you need to say probably seven to ten times. So... Um, so we keep doing that, and we know our students are proud. We know our kids are going off to great um, colleges or career, and you know we believe we're doing right by by all kids. Uh, we still have work to do. Obviously, we have you know a very high low income percentage in town, and and those students need extra support, and our English language learners need extra support. Um, but you know we are uh, definitely a welcoming and inclusive and very diverse. Um, and beautiful community, and you know it's worth every ounce of effort we can make to make sure every student succeeds. I, I know I didn't uh, prompt you with this question when I gave you the when we talked we had the pre-conference before the interview. So it, uh, if you if it's not something you you can address, that's okay. But back when Bill Leary was here as superintendent of school, he had proposed a uh, uh, a foreign language program that started at the elementary level. Uh, and, and his observation was if you can start children learning a foreign language uh, at the elementary level, they'll be more fluent and more successful having multiple languages as part of their repertoire of skills. Has, has any of that uh, either come up or been considered uh, given the economic constraints that you're, you're forced to work with uh, within schools? We have not. Um, we have not talked about it beginning foreign language at the elementary schools. We, yeah. I know there's some after-school programs offered by different schools, PTOs, um, that kids can take advantage of after school. We do have um, Spanish offered in the middle school that kids can take, um, but it, you know, it would be a luxury to have yeah. and, and the time in the school day to incorporate, you know, some form. Well. It was a thought, anyway, and, and Bill had uh, a lot of, uh, Bill was the one who brought multiple intelligences and uh, the Coalition of Essential Schools, so he was uh, one of a lot of the cutting-edge stuff, but uh, it isn't, it, Gloucester couldn't afford everything that uh, he brought with him from uh, Boca Raton and, and Great Neck, New York, and all the rest of the places, but thank you for being a guest on uh, Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Appreciate you taking time and you're busy, and want to thank you for all the work you do for the Gloucester schools and have done for, for so many years. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate it. Great. Take care, Kathy. Thank you. Bye-bye.
You'll love the Bradford Tavern in Rowley as they feature a menu to please everyone. Start your meal with your choice from a dozen delicious appetizers. There are also soups and fresh salads. Dinner selections include burgers, sirloin tips, chicken parmesan, chicken piccata, and then there's seafood, clams, haddocks, salmon, lobsters, and fish tacos. Plus a wide selection of sandwiches and wraps. Let the Bradford Tavern host your events or functions set in unique spaces. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. The Bradford Tavern, Route 133 Rowley and Bradford Tavern. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. Professional builders and remodelers choose Anderson Windows more than any other brand in the United States. They do so because Anderson Windows and patio doors offer beautiful natural wood interiors, low-maintenance exteriors, and outstanding energy efficiency. See the complete line of Anderson Windows at any of our three locations, in Beverly, North Reading, or Plastown, New Hampshire, or at MoynihanLumber.com. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is a city councilor in Beverly, Massachusetts, Tim Flaherty. Tim, welcome to the program. Good morning, Josh. Well, I'm glad to have you. We usually start in, and uh, of course, Tim and I are Rotarians together, and he's the uh, executive director of the local uh, Cape NYMCA. Uh, but I wanted to uh, ask you to give us a three or four minute bio, and then we can talk about some of the issues that are uh, going on in Beverly. Sure, absolutely. Um, I've been a you know, seven-term city councilor, um, and uh, been doing that. I was actually council president for a couple terms. Um, I'm a lifelong resident of Beverly. Been married to my wife Anne for 26 years. Who actually is a Beverly High School teacher. Uh, we had uh, four children: uh, Brendan, Mary Kate, Brian, and Kevin. All went through the uh, the Beverly school system, and um, I myself was a graduate of Beverly High School in uh, 1985 and a graduate of Northeastern in 1990. Um, as you said, I currently am the executive director of the Cape Ann YMCA, which we're in the process of building a $30 million YMCA uh, for Cape Ann. Cape Ann. And um, I also uh, am a funeral director as well. I um, work at the Campbell Funeral Home um, uh, every once in a while as a funeral director when needed. Um, some of my past community involvement, um, I, my first term, I uh, actually was elected to the Beverly Charter Commission. That uh, was my first uh kind of, you know, getting into a political scene, um, and I was like 28 years old, um, and that was the last time the charter was actually uh, was voted on, uh, was looked at and um, revamped. Um, yeah. When I got out of college, I uh, ran the McPherson Youth Center in town, um, and was also the Beverly Homecoming Chairman, did a little coaching uh, in Beverly as a high school football coach, uh, and I was also a girls track coach, and um, involved in many aspects of of Beverly, especially with through my children, um, who are lucky enough to fortunate enough to be uh, going on to college and uh, being successful in their own right and, and giving back to the community. Um, I believe in Beverly, and I'm excited. That's why I that's why I'm running another term. Um, there's a lot to do. The city of Beverly is in great shape, uh, but there's still a lot more to do uh, to move Beverly in the right direction. Great. Now, Beverly's working on their uh, master plan. Uh, I know we talked about that before the show, and uh, uh, tell us about that and, and why that's so important. Well, it's very important. The master plan, uh, the last time they did it was in around 2000, 2003, um, and basically the master plan is kind of like your, your blueprint of moving the city in the direction the community wants it to, um, and it's up to the city council, the planning board, the mayor to implement those changes. Um, 
the master plan has a lot to do with, you know, what kind of housing you're looking for, what kind of zoning changes you, you might look for. Uh, talk about the historic part of the, of, of the city. Um, and that's kind of like, again, like the blueprint where it, it, we've kind of, right now, we've been involved in many community meetings uh, since the spring, um, and then they'll kind of wrap up and, and get all the information gathered by the, a lot of the community meetings um, and look at kind of what kind of city we're going to we want, like rezoning, we're concerned about some of the buildings go up in downtown Rantoul Street. What kind of future do you see the city uh, to move it to move it forward? Because uh, you need to have that balance. You need economic growth uh, to move the city to pay for some of the, the city services from the schools to the police uh, to fire, DPW. You need to be able to support those. Um, but you also don't want to change the character of your city. So that's the balancing act that a massive plan can hopefully lead you as long as you don't put it on a shelf somewhere and let it go. It, it, it's a working document that can guide uh, the, uh, the city uh, leaders. How much is, uh, I know that Gloucester's uh, has an issue that uh, it's been in the papers recently uh, on, that has to do with the floodplain, and, and uh, they're going to have to revisit uh, some, some uh, permits uh, on at least one particular project over at Wingersheep, but uh, the, the, uh, how much is the floodplain, cha- the changing in the floodplain, likely to impact uh, building projects in Beverly. Is that an issue for you folks, and um, how have you dealt with it so far? It's not a, it's not a major concern, but it is um, actually had a, meeting, a master plan meeting last night, and the mayor talked a little bit about that, um, about sustainability, um, solar, and the idea of climate change. I was trying to make sure that, you know, when we're building buildings into the future, um, we're, we're you know, careful of what we're trying to do. Beverly doesn't have as much uh, buildable waterfront as Gloucester. Yep. Uh, in the future, most of Beverly's waterfront is residential um, compared to what Gloucester has uh, downtown. Uh, but there, there, it is a concern, actually, with the new police station that we just approved um, this past Monday night uh, for about $24 million, um, is actually raising the building for security, but also it, it, um, near the coming center, and they're raising it up six feet uh, for that reason. Okay. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the police station. I know it's been long uh, wanted and needed. They they actually put the schools ahead of of uh, the public safety building, uh, but the police finally are getting a, a new facility. When will that? When will construction? When will you put the first shovel in the dirt? And when uh, will there be a new product uh, online? Well, we just um, we just approved the twenty four million dollars um, loan uh, to do that. It's gonna, I think it's going to cost overall probably about twenty seven million at the end of the day. Um, and so the, um, they're looking to have a shovel on the ground, I believe, this spring. It's already been designed. Um, we had a nice presentation um, from the mayor's office um, to uh, present that to us the other night. Um, again, it's long overdue. Right now, the city, uh, the, the police station, their personnel are in four different buildings throughout the city, and right now their present station is like a little under, I think, 9,000 square feet. So it's, it's inadequate to meet the needs of the police station and changing community. Uh, you know, uh, we just uh, appointed a, 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 new, a new woman uh, police officer, which I think is a great thing as it brings us several um, women onto the force. Um, and But it's inadequate to have them go into the facility they're going into. This new facility kind of, you know, has all that uh, and future plans to be able to change that uh, moving forward. It's kind of, we're cutting it up to the 21st century. Great. Great. Now, a um, lot of uh, construction, uh, development, redevelopment on Rantoul Street area. Uh, 
is that going to go on forever, or where, where is that? Is there a point where that stops, or in how much of a of a traffic problem has that been, and in or continue to be? Well, I don't know if there's been a traffic problem. I think there's a concern about uh, putting. I mean, Rantoul Street ten years ago, for example, um, there wasn't a lot going on. There were a lot of empty storefronts. Um, there wasn't a lot of activity going on there. Um, the, and so it hasn't necessarily been a, I don't think it's been a bad thing. Um, uh, and for some people might, might look at it that way because the yep. shape of Rantoul Street has changed a little bit. Um, but people are buying downtown. Um, I have neighbors of mine who have retired uh, to, to uh, going to Rantoul Street, and you never would have saw that, um, you know, 10 years ago. So in a way, it's a good thing because look, it looks like some prosperity. Uh, Rantoul Street is coming alive. A lot of good things. There's a lot of uh, restaurants opening downtown, a lot of, uh, retail, that's just been good, but how much is too much, like you asked? Sure. And um, I guess that goes on demand. How much, you know, if the people who are building these apartments and condos think there's a demand for it, they're going to want to build there. And I know the mayor has been pushing that. I know the governor has been pushing that. The need for housing uh, is crucial um, throughout the state. But, you know, we got to be careful by building too much. We're talking, my big thing is, uh, is trying to fit the character of the community, trying to. Um, you know, you don't want to build too much. We can't build all the housing needs for the whole state here. Um, we're going to share that with, you know, our neighboring communities and other North Shore communities um, to hopefully do the same. Uh, but it is a concern with baby boomers, get, baby boomers getting older um, and finding a place to live. Um, so it is, a, it is a concern, but that's what the master plan can take a look at and say, listen, we want to change the zoning a little bit. We, want, we don't want these taller buildings here. We want to be able to kind of have lower buildings. Uh, but also, uh, as important, I think, when you're building some of these buildings, um, and, and, and there's a need for it, um, and I can argue that you know, there is a need, but the way some of these buildings, some of them look great and fit the character of a nice seaside community like Beverly, but then some of them are, are more contemporary looking that don't fit you know, the character of, of Beverly. And that's one thing that I think as a city, we can always blame the developer, but we as a city need to do a better job planning I don't think we've done a great job in the past 40, 50 years um, planning what you know other communities have done. Hey, this is our blueprint. This we want to. This we want in our community. I don't care if it's a five-story building or if you're trying to redevelop a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's. You want that buildings to look like they fit in a community like Beverly, not stucco where you can see uh, a building go anywhere. A good example of that is the old Washington Beagle School when they tore that down. Walgreens came to town. And at the time, I think it was maybe 20 years ago now, we were so happy, the city was so happy to say, oh, we get some development going on downtown. And they built their cookie-cutter uh, Walgreens, and that building can go anywhere. It could be in Boston, it could be in, it could be in uh, Worcester, it could be, it, you don't know where it could be. And then CVS came in a couple years later and said, geez, we want to build, and they built across the street, or they were trying to build, and we said, can you work with us to build a building that fits the character of Beverly and the community um, along, along the ocean. And they built a nice brick, clapboard-looking uh, building, um, so they're willing to do it. It just takes a city to be proactive and say, this is what we want in our city. Um, and if you go down on Rantoul Street, you see the difference between the two, night and day. And yep. I think people will see that all day long. So that's what I'm trying to do even with the master plan, that if we're going to develop, let's try to develop that fits the character of our community, because once you start building these buildings, they're there for the next 200 years. 
Great. Well, we want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy day. I know you're straight out with uh, the, all the construction uh, and the programming at the YMCA, and uh, hope that uh, per, uh, stays on schedule. And uh, I see it every time I go to uh, Market Basket. Uh, the, the, another piece of the building's gone, and of course I worked yeah, there for 12 years, so it's uh, there's, yeah. there's some nostalgia there. 2020. Next next December we'll be open uh, a brand new Y for, for our KPN, which will be which will be an added benefit. That that'll be great, and it'll be well uh, well uh, received in the community, I'm sure. Thank you for being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold, and wish you the greatest success in your campaign for re-election uh, in the city of Beverly. Thanks, Josh. Take care now. Thanks, Tim. Make sure people know, know the election day is November 5th for everybody. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Great. Thanks, Josh. Great. Well, a little uh, little hitch in the giddy up there, but we survived. Yeah. And I think uh, that's probably um, uh, your your former guest here, um, Mr. Pena, on on uh, on on the voicemail. So we'll check back in with him after the show, and maybe you can uh, line him up again and, and get a complete interview yeah, with him. Yeah, we'll try for maybe November first. We'll okay. If we can get him in for then. All right, that's our next program. Is November one. We're not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, we have been here all week. We appreciate your uh, tuning in. Tell other people about it. MSO News Sports. It's trending now with Josh Arnold. This is MSONewsports.com. We have football coming up tomorrow night. A big one for the Northeast Conference Division, uh, North Division Championship. It'll be Marblehead at Danvers. That game at 6 o'clock. Uh, excuse me, at 7 o'clock. Pre-game uh, a little bit before that with Bill Newell and Marty Smith. And again, that's going to be on MSONewsports.com. MSO Radio Channel A. Championship football tomorrow night. Friday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget North Shore today every morning here on MSO News Sports. That is the only, as far as we know, the only local news podcast like it in the region. So please check in for local news and sports every day with MSO and, of course, all the brand-new posts that we have uh, every single day. On behalf of Josh Arnold, Bill Poposki, Bill Newell, I'm Rick Moore. Have a great day.